Spot number four, title Illinois' Bounty. Grapes, potatoes, catfish, hot peppers, and honey. Be proud, Illinois, because the state you live in produces the food you love to eat. Not only do Illinois farmers grow more corn, soybeans, cattle, and pigs than just about any other place in the world, but they also produce a wide variety of specialty crops. For example, Illinois produces more pumpkins than any other state. Illinois is number one in horseradish, too. That's something to remember next time you dip your shrimp in cocktail sauce. This message brought to you by Illinois Farm Bureau and the Illinois Department of Agriculture. Working to keep one of the state's largest industries, agriculture, strong and growing. for the end of the world. This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of... Can you believe it? I forgot family. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! That's not good. Let's try that again. Wake up! It's much more effective when you do a stretch when you say it. All right, this is Orda Energy Mon, and we are going to talk about some news. In case you didn't notice, it's spring. Did you notice that? It might even be summer, but technically, um, this is our first week of spring. And so we will talk maybe a little bit about spring, but definitely about spring cleaning. Yes, I brought that forward. So. OccupyUpdatesDaily.blogspot.com According to the Washington Post, one person was arrested and three tents were removed from McPherson Square without any warning to occupiers. One of the tents was a one-person one, but the other were information and meeting tents. People who, police who removed the belongings said they were continuing to follow the standard enforcement of no camping regulations. Occupiers said they did not know why the tents were removed, nor were they asked beforehand to remove them. The Occupy Des Moines trespassing trial is getting a little testy as persecuted. Persecutors, prosecutors, <laughs> have asked the judge to bar jurors from considering free speech rights in the trials. The law in Iowa against trespassing actually states that trespassing is defined as, quote, remaining on property without justification. 
In previous trials, jurors have considered without justification to mean that protesters have the free speech right to protest their grievances, but the prosecutors are trying to stop this from continuing to happen. Hmm. So, um, Iowa's law, of course, was obviously written to give some leeway, and now they are trying to make it illegal to even talk about free speech rights. I don't know. Free speech rights, is that something we can uh, stand behind? Um, no, I don't like talking. <laughs> well, so. yeah, what's with all this free speech? You know, be, if we had free speech, people could just go in a public place at any time, say, for a half hour at a time, and say whatever they wanted to. That'd be kind of that'd be kind of crazy. It's, it's kind of interesting that our country was founded on free speech. <laughs> it's when the oppressed become the oppressor, they mm. become worse than they were being oppressed. Did yeah. I just make that up? That uh-huh. sounds really good. So... Occupy Chicago traveled a long way to get to the CEO of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. CEO Craig Donahue was welcomed to Houston by Occupy Mm -hmm. Chicago, who criticized him for the massive tax breaks his company received after they gave empty threats to the state government. Upon learning that they might not receive as high of tax breaks as they wanted, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange threatened Illinois lawmakers by saying that without them, they would move to another state. (laughs) Uh, it or it like says out of state. Does that mean they can move out of country? <laughs> yeah, out of country. They'll, they'll move to the moon. <laughs> uh, occupiers were thrown out of a legislative meeting in Idaho by state troopers after they interrupted the meeting. The lawmakers voted on legislation that would uh, close a loophole in Idaho laws, which for now offer nothing preventing protests. The bill was passed by a wide margin and will be sent to the governor shortly for a signature. Many of the occupiers escorted out of the building were removed because they broke decorum by putting on a hat. Headwear is not permitted in the Senate. (laughs) All right, this section's a little creepy. Um, Listen up and I'll tell you why. A quick-thinking occupier is receiving thanks after he made a split-second decision. Nick Shaw is an occupier with lightning-fast reflexes, and when he saw the man who stabbed Brian Boston Reed earlier this week, he jumped at the chance to perform a citizen's arrest with the help of others. Boston is still in the hospital as of today, but is relieved that his assailant has been captured. Okay, here's why it's creepy. If you've been following the Occupy Blogspot blog for the past week, 327, an occupier in San Francisco, Boston Reed, was stabbed last night in an altercation with an aggressive man who claimed he was the group's leader. All right, that's one. 328, just one night after a man claiming to be an Occupy quote-unquote leader stabbed another occupier and fled, another man has been stabbed at the same location. This attacker this time was not an occupier, but rather a man who approached occupiers and began to scream about conspiracy theories concerning the World Trade Center and occupier Nick Shaw. Are you catching it? Do you see it? The second stabbing. The man was yelling randomly about Nick Shaw, and then Nick Shaw ends up being the man who arrests the first assailant. I don't know about you, but this is a little unusual. Yeah. There might be a little bit of his conspiracy actually true. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a little crazy. I mean, that is very strange. It makes me wonder, too, like, you know, if, if... someone was targeting like you know people who are playing a leadership role in that occupy like maybe that's why it happened to be him uh, you know but that that's that is very strange well or it could be the other way around the you know the <laughs> leader himself is trying to 
change things so the guy went and freaked out and went to stab him because <laughs> he found some secret something about him yeah <laughs> so the intrigue continues yes we'll be keeping an eye on the intrigue uh out there <laughs> speaking of intrigue hunger games very popular book series movie just came out yeah did you realize that it's based in a post-apocalyptic climate change world <laughs> most people don't it's very much you know hidden so, do Hunger Game fans actually care about the climate? Has the obsessive fandom surrounding Hunger Games led to more climate change awareness in the shiftless youth today? <laughs> so, actually, in the book, the mayor tells the story of Panem. He lists the disasters, the droughts, the storms, the fires, the encroaching seas that swallowed up much of the land, the brittle brutal war for what sustenance remained talking about climate change in the book itself now a lot of people are talking about hunger games will this mean that they this generation will be more i don't know knowledgeable more caring because you know the extreme excitement about hunger uh -huh. games will that make people think more <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because on the one hand, you might think, well, sure, that'll make people think more about apocalypse, but it might just make them prepare for it instead of preventing it. <laughs> it's like, well, I'll learn how to shoot a bow really, really well. Actually, the, right <laughs> now, we've pretty much reached the point that we have to prepare for it, not yeah. prevent it. I mean, Well, we've got to do both. I mean, yeah. we can still prevent further damage, but there's some damage we can't prevent at this point. Because, you know, it takes, it takes decades for the effects of uh, greenhouse gas emissions to, to register in weather patterns. So we need to do a little bit of, of, of preparation and prevention. <laughs> but I, I, I actually did watch Hunger Games. I enjoyed watching it. I haven't read the books yet. Uh, but I do wonder if people are just going to prepare for that post-apocalyptic reality rather than trying to mitigate it in the present. And a quote from uh, Joey, 14 years old, who was interviewed about what he thought of Hunger Games. It's about rebelling and standing up for what they believe in. It, I like how she has to make her living off the land. So self-sufficiency, foraging, the 99%, it's all in there with this one. Maybe millennials are going to be just fine. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you know. So it is, it is about empowerment and trying to survive against great oppression in the midst of starvation brought upon by chaotic climate change and war. Yeah. So, what do you think? A hundred years from now? <laughs> or, could be. Just, or sooner? Uh, it could be sooner. <laughs> Ooh, okay. In some places of the world, it is right now, so... Yeah. What do you think? Talk about spring cleaning... I heard it's spring. Yeah, I've heard it's spring. It, it's almost feeling like summer out there, I'm but uh, I've heard it's spring. <laughs> people, people are acting like it's summer and just want to skip over the spring cleaning. They're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had spring already. That spring was in February. Yeah, spring was in February. Let's just go straight to summer. We don't need any spring cleaning. So let's talk about spring cleaning a little bit. Yes. What are some of the things we can do? Well, the majority of things we have to clean with are highly toxic. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of ironic to do cleaning, you know, make your house look nicer, but then introduce toxins to... Uh, you're sort of cleaning on the macro level and poisoning on the micro level. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
So, I yeah. mean, I don't like this. There's a few things that are particular concern. All right. Using those grime-zapping conventional cleaners all over and just be done with it? Well, most of them are toxic. So yeah. let's take it the, to the next logical step above and beyond buying store-bought products that are actually you know, all natural. Let's use some things that are around the house. Mm-hmm. Do it yourself. I mean, people have been cleaning their house way before we had cleaning products. Yeah. What cleaning products are probably started coming around in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Yeah, they came out in the 20th century with whole, uh, you know, chemical advances uh, during that, that era. <laughs> but before that, people cleaned things in other ways. All right. An all-purpose cleaner. Have you heard of water? Uh-huh. No, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just well, it is. I, actually, I mean, all-purpose cleaner, number one. Sometimes you can just use water. Yeah, it's just Depending like, on what it is. It's like, start with water. But um, <laughs> add a little bit of soap into it. Um, like, Dr. Bronner's, they have that completely all-natural soap. And, you know, you could add some kind of smell into it to make it smell really good. Um, like peppermint. Mm-hmm. I personally like peppermint or cedar. So. Yeah, and another thing you can add is tea tree oil, because tea tree oil is a natural antibacterial uh, element. There you go. And in mo- and then if you put it in a spray bottle, you can use it to, you know, do a lot of, sur- pretty much every surface really easily. So mm. that was one. Um, how about n- number two? A counter scrub. A little kosher salt and vinegar. I mean, does it have to be kosher? Hmm. I guess that has a higher level of cleanliness than regular salt, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, by putting the salt in there, that gives you a little bit of an abrasive surface. Um, my mom actually used to clean windows with newspaper and vinegar. Yeah. Cause the, and I asked her, and she said, the vinegar leaves no streak behind, like when you're cleaning the window. Yeah. I think so. my mom used to do that, too. I know I've seen somebody do that before yeah. when I was younger. If it's really dirty, she'll get the soap out, wash it, but the soap leaves a, you know, a streak. Yeah, the soap leaves streaks a lot. Yeah, so. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Other ones, uh, we've got uh, a baking soda scrub. You can actually use baking soda plus just enough water to form a wet paste. And you spread that out on there, you know, you scrub with it. Uh, and, you know, it. It's it's there's some things it won't work on, but it works like a charm on some of the less than dire cleaning problems. There you go. And what this is is a series of tests to use just stuff that's around the house to see how it works. Test number four, bathroom scrub. Number one, lemon juice with a little bit of baking soda and then a, enough Castile soap to form like a toothpaste-like substance, hmm. not for brushing your teeth. Although lemon juice and baking soda, I don't know, maybe with a little bit of soap, like that all-natural soap, did you actually read on Dr. Bronner's? It actually says on there, you know, they've got like 100 uses on the bottle. And one of them is brushing your teeth. Hmm, It's like one drop to like a glass of water, and then you can brush your teeth with it. Hmm. It's like peppermint, mouthwash, uh, scrub. So... Yeah, one last one they had here was baking soda plus kosher salt plus water. Yeah. And, uh, 
they, they said that it was uh, gentle yet abrasive with a pleasant non-odor. <laughs> so it's, it's strong, it's pretty strong for something that doesn't have a, an odor to it. Yeah, do you have any favorite homemade cleaning? Brews, concoctions, otherwise, would you like to share them? Hmm. Well, send them to info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we will talk about them amongst ourselves. Maybe we'll even share them with the public on the radio show. Uh, could be. Who knows? It's like, so this article was um, from Elizabeth. She is a greeny pig. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she writes articles, and she's a former editor of Backpacker Magazine. So <laughs> that sounds interesting. If it's dirty we can clean it in our house. But how do we clean it if everything around us is dirty? Mm. Yeah. I mean, that was... If the air is dirty. (laughs) Yeah. That was one of the things in the Hunger Games is, you know, the coal miners area, everything was dirty and grungy. Yeah. You know? Now, you burn the coal and you spew it into the air. Um, I actually looked at this map. We're talking about the map of the dirtiest places in the United States, and pretty much all of northern Illinois. We are just outside of that area. Uh, Yeah. But pretty much all of northern Illinois was just the biggest blob in North America because guess what? Illinois has more coal plants than any other state in the U.S. Yeah, we're ahead of the game. We're number one. (laughs) Number one in the dirt pollution. So um, if you would like to see the map of where... You know, this map shows the country's dirtiest air. Are you in a deadly zone? Now, did you hear about the EPA's ruling? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, but uh, I'm reading about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, apparently the EPA announced the first ever limits for greenhouse gas emissions from new coal-fired power plants. And it's a big deal. Yes, it's a very big the deal. first ever. Wait a second. Excuse me. The Environmental Protection Agency has announced the first ever. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> All right. Now that I've done the incredulous part. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the uh, the proposed rule, which is years in the making and approved by the White House after months of review will require any new power plant to emit no more than 1,000 pounds of carbon dioxide per megawatt of electricity produced. The average U.S. natural gas plant, which emits 800 to 850 pounds of CO2 per megawatt, meets that standard. Coal plants emit an average of 1,768 pounds of carbon dioxide per megawatt. So they're going to have to work on that if they want to build any more coal plants ever. (laughs) Does this not apply to old ones it only applies uh, it applies to, to new, new ones. power plants which probably means we will not be building any new power plants yeah that's basically the gist of it is it it's currently if that's the levels that they're emitting at this is a very serious restriction on uh, creating any more uh, coal plants well you would think they would have done it earlier considering two-thirds of american voters support even stricter epa standards on pollution (laughs) yeah well sometimes it takes uh the epa and the government a long time to sort of listen to what the public has to say on the issue (laughs) so if you'd like more information about this you can visit the american lung association to learn more 
about healthy air at lung.org slash healthy air. <laughs> I like healthy air. Yeah, just like... <laughs> Breathing is a good thing. And if you would like to see the map of pollution, well, <laughs> go there. <laughs> just like... <laughs> um, today happens to be the grass is always browner on the other side. <laughs> So that's <laughs> just like we happen to live in the midst of a, f- a forest, so I guess we are lucky. <laughs> but if you move a little bit northern from here, people don't have as many trees and they have to breathe a lot more pollution. Yeah, so. which is why it's browner on the other side because it's pretty green down here in <laughs> southern <laughs> <It's> Illinois. Just, <laughs> yeah, today is Doctor's Day and grass is always browner on the other side of the fence day. Yeah, so. and it's Vincent Van Gogh's birthday, so happy birthday to Van Gogh. There you go. Saturday is Bunsen Burner Day, Mule Day. I actually, when I lived in Tennessee, we used to go to Mule Day. It was a festival in Tennessee huh. where people would like ride their mules from like 50 miles all over to the state fairgrounds <laughs> and just have a festival of mules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, we d- we didn't have that in Chicago where I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, isn't mules in Chicago though like drug? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they celebrate a different kind of mule day in, uh, Chicago. in uh, Chicago. Coming up on, uh, let's see, uh, Sunday is April Fool's Day, uh, All Fools Day. Uh, it's also National Fun Day and National Fun at Work Day. So if you're working on Sunday, uh, have fun. <laughs> it's just like uh, reading is funny day also on Sunday, and in Iran it's the Islamic Republic Day. So on Monday. Now, that would April Fool's Day, huh? <laughs> what should we do? I've never really been good at fooling. You know? <laughs> International Children's Book Day is on Monday. Also, National Love Our Children's Day. So maybe we love our children's by giving them a book. <laughs> yeah. So it is. Maybe this is why it's the birthday of Hans Christian Andersen. Yes, he's an author. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that might be why it's that day. <laughs> Monday is tangible karma day compared to intangible karma. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Tuesday is tweed day. Ooh. <laughs> I think I will get a tweed. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it's also uh, Washington Irving's birthday and the anniversary of the Pony Express mail service. Wednesday is UN International Day for Mine Awareness and Assistance in Mine Action. And it's Victims of Violence Holy Day. Like, <clears throat> I was thinking, never mind. You're, you lost your leg and you're no longer whole, so, yeah. <laughs> Monday, or well, Monday. <laughs> Wednesday is the anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., the anniversary of NATO and the birthday of Maya Angelou. All right, on Thursday is National Deep Dish Pizza Day. Ooh, every day is deep dish. <laughs> well, no, I like thin crust. Never mind. <laughs> Everybody here in Chicago, don't beat me up. Yes. <laughs> you know, for me, deep dish pizza is a meal versus thin crust pizza is an appetizer and you can eat appetizers forever so yeah mm-hmm. i can eat like a whole pizza you know versus one slice of that chicago stuff <laughs> yeah so well on thursday is the birthday of uh, booker t washington also there you go so let's get to some happenings while we've still got some time 
International Coffee Hour, Fridays from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Northwest Annex Building B. That is today from 3 to 5 p.m. Mixed from people from all over the world. Yes, and tonight from uh, at 6 p.m., uh, Rice and Spice International Slow Food Dinner. This Friday is Pie Day. Come enjoy cooking and delicious doughy delicacies. <laughs> if it's from Chicago, does it really say that? <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't. It does say that. Delicious doughy delicacies. Yes. Speaking of pie, now Chicago—that's actual pie. <laughs> I don't think like thin crust you could call it a pie. Yeah, you can't call it a pizza pie if it's a thin crust. I would yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> do you call it a cracker? <laughs> I was like, I like my crackers. Yeah. So. Besides pizza pie. Yes, there's also quiche, pot pie, shepherd's pie, and of course, dessert pies. What's the difference between a pot pie and a shepherd's pie? <laughs> I'm going to find out tonight, I guess. Yes, huh? tonight at Guy House, 913 ooh, South ooh, Illinois. Ooh, ooh. Tomorrow. Oh. The first ever. Well, not the first ever. <laughs> first ever of 2012. <laughs> Farmer's Market. Yeah. And it's starting a week early because of the weather. It's like the farmers have had so much vegetables this month. Yeah. So. We, we should have planned ahead and played some sort of special music, you know, like, and now, starting on this Saturday, the farmer's market, market, market. I think you did a pretty good job. Do that again. So, <laughs> so um, Saturday, Vigil for Peace, noon to 1 p.m. at the corner of Illinois and Maine in Carbondale, sponsored by the Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois. Yeah, so then coming up also on Saturday, uh, Girls Make Movies Benefit Screening, a celebration of girls' visions. This is coming up on Saturday from 7 p.m. to 10 at uh, the SIUC Communication Building Soundstage. That's room 1122. And uh, Girls Make Movies is a summer camp at SIUC where teenage girls make films of their own. Come to the first public screening of highlights from the first two years of Girls Make Movies, along with work by SIU's women filmmakers. So that's Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., Communications Building. And this is a big deal because there actually isn't that many woman film producers. I mean, I was just reading a mainstream article that was really bashing Angelina Jolie for she's producing a film about, you know, strife in one of those countries where she got one of those kids from. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it's a serious, like, in-depth, you know, documentary film, and she's producing it. Yeah. But they were, like, really getting, yeah, like, women can't... And it's like, this is a mainstream. This yeah. is... Yeah. And this is also the 21st century. I thought we had realized, you know, yeah. not to be discriminatory, but I guess not. I, I just read a uh, thing this morning that, you know, the first... It was in the 60s, the first um, b- marathoner, and she got, like... Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen, seen about that. So, yeah, yeah. Just, like... Psh- they weren't letting her run a marathon. So, um... Green is a beautiful thing. Earth Day will be here soon on April 22nd to be exact. And WSIU-TV is celebrating with a month-long slate of special programs designed to celebrate the natural world. And so um, go to their website or starting, um, starting on Wednesday, there was a series. And let me think of which one of these is the most exciting one. Probably Yellowstone, Land to Life. For me, at least. But otherwise... Oh, wait, which one? Huh? <laughs> Revenge of the Electric Car. Oh, yes, Revenge of the Electric Car. There it is. It's in the next section. Uh, Revenge of the Electric Car coming up on Saturday at 2.30 p.m. at the Carbonell Public Library. 
Uh, Chris Payne goes behind the closed doors of Nissan GM and the Silicon Valley startup Tesla Motors to chronicle the story of the global resurgence of the electric car. That's pretty exciting. Carbonell Library, Saturday, 2.30. Tree Identification Program, Wednesday, April 4th at 2 p.m. at Giant City Visitors Lounge. Yeah. Learn about trees. Can you actually tell the difference between a sycamore and a maple? Do you know the difference? Do you care to know? You get to go to a workshop for tree ID and then go for a walk. So be sure to dress for the weather. Yes, and we've got one last minute uh, uh, late-breaking one that was handed to us. Uh, help raise money to fight lymphoma uh, at the Centralia Family Video on Saturday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. They're going to have family fun nights. They'll have a live DJ and games, including face painting, a cakewalk, and a pie the manager contest. Pie <laughs> also, the manager. It's also <laughs> raffling off prizes and such. Uh, pie the anybody contest is awesome. <laughs> yeah, pie, pie the anyone contest, but pie the manager. So it's a family video at 420 East Knollman in Centralia. And music is sponsored by WDBX Community Radio, 91.1 FM. So that's how we heard about it. <laughs> And we do have a couple newsletter extras, like 21 Lessons in Sustainability from the Great Depression, but you must get our newsletter to get that. Our newsletter is available at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Let us know how we're doing. (laughs) Yes. See you again on the radio next week. It's spring. The (laughs) farmer's market's here. Let's eat some veggies. Yes.